Well, good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Good. That, feel, that felt very nervous. Uh, my name is Josh. I am not Pastor Rob. Rob is uh, on a week-long trip to Kosovo where he did some ministry there a few years ago with his free buddies. He kept calling them his Kosa bros all week, and uh, we had to put a stop to that. So, uh, But excited for him to come back next week. But I get the privilege to work through Genesis chapter 39 with you as we continue the story of Joseph that we kicked off last Sunday. Now, Rob kicked us off with telling about the dream that God had given Joseph, this calling that he had given him, um, and that he would be, in this dream, it, it said that he would be a leader, that he would rule over his family. There wasn't a lot of detail, but the brothers in the dream were bowing down to Joseph. And so Joseph was a big fan of this dream. His brothers, not so much. Uh, their very rational response to this dream was, we should kill this guy. And uh, that's actually true. I know some, there was some shock and awe there. Uh, but their second response was, let's not kill him. Let's sell him to some uh, slave traders and only make it look like he died to our dad so that we don't have to answer questions. And so that's sort of where the, the chapter ends, that Joseph is sold into slavery. And, and that's where we pick up this morning. Uh, so this, we are going to do this a little differently than maybe Rob usually does it. We're going to go through chapter 39 in a couple sections. And alongside that, I noticed that there was a story that God has been doing in my life that kind of mirrors, maybe less significant or a whole lot significant, less significant than Joseph's life, but really significant in my life. So I'm going to be kind of telling that story as we go. Uh, but when we uh, read scripture this morning, we're going to be in chapter 39 of Genesis uh, I want us to do it with a different kind of mindset. Because how many of you have been in church like your whole life? Uh, raise your hand. You've been here a long time. You've done church. Uh, when we read scripture, it's easy for us to um, understand that we know how this is going to end. Right? We know we can flip to the end of the, the book and we can read how Joseph is going to, how his story is going to end. If we're reading in David or we're reading about Esther or we're reading about Jesus even, we know where the story's going. And that's a good thing, but it also, we can lose some of the emotions, some of the feelings that the people who are going through this stuff in the middle are actually feeling. And so as we read this morning, sort of in the middle of Joseph's life, uh, I wanted to take a moment just to get in the mindset of where he would be at. So he's about 20, mid, uh, early to mid-20s in this story. And he has been sold into slavery into a land where he doesn't know the language. He doesn't know the customs. He doesn't know anything about this place. So if you put yourself there, you're thinking, okay, I'd be maybe a little nervous, I'd be a little scared, I'd be a lot lonely. And that's where we're coming from this morning. So we're going to read chapter 39, 1 through 6 to start, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. All right, so verse 1, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who, had, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so, so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. 
Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. So I think the author here is trying to get us to see something pretty clear. Because in four verses, verses 2 through 5, it is mentioned five times that the Lord was with Joseph, that the Lord was blessing Joseph, that the Lord was blessing the household of the Egyptian, his slave master. The Lord was with Joseph. And I think that's our first point this morning, that whatever trouble you find yourself in, God is with you. Now, this dream that was given to Joseph was in his homeland in Canaan. And so he didn't get a lot of details. He just knew, uh, I guess I'm supposed to rule. And we can assume that he probably thought this was all going to take place in his homeland. But yet, just a few chapters later, or a chapter later, we see he's no longer in his homeland. He's in a foreign land. And even if he thought... I have this dream, I have this vision, this big ambition that God has given me. Um, I don't know how to do anything here. I don't speak the language. I I don't know anybody. I mean, it was completely different. The call that God gave Joseph is not unlike the call that we all have. I believe we're all called to do some great, great things for the kingdom of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all called to greatness in the world's eyes. We're not all called to be great athletes. We're not all called to be great musicians, great business people, great politicians. Are there any great politicians? I don't know. I should have said that one. But anyway, we're called to be great in the kingdom. We're called to do great things for the kingdom. And that could be something that gets a lot of notoriety, like writing a book or starting a church, or it could be just serving faithfully every single day. Either way, in the kingdom's economy, that is greatness. But any time that God calls us to do something great for his kingdom, there's going to be risk in pursuing that. And for Joseph, he doesn't know where this is going. He misses his friends. He misses his mom's cooking. He misses all that stuff. But he can clearly see that God is blessing him and that God is with him, even so much so that he's, he's actually blessing this person, this Egyptian, who doesn't even believe in God. God is going to great lengths to show Joseph that he is with him. So for us, that's important to know, that we need to understand that God is with us, that we shouldn't shrink back when things get hard, and that whatever our situation is that's tough right now, could be marriage, it could be a family thing, it could be a job thing, it could be a decision, it could be finances, whatever it is, that God's presence is stronger than what we're going through. And for Joseph, seeing all this, he's got to be thinking something magical is happening here. Something is going on. So I said I wanted to tell a story about myself, because why not? You gave me a microphone. <laughs> um, in 2008, I was the uh, I worked here at Browncroft as the uh, I think my official title was the greatest middle school director of all time. 
I don't know. We were allowed to make our own titles back then. Um, but I loved it. I loved everything about middle school, working with those middle schoolers. I loved the, the, uh, how they were just so uh, awkward. I loved that. I loved how they uh, just t- took everything in. I loved, well, I didn't love the smell, but I loved a lot about them. But, uh, well, I got lost there because I was thinking about the smell. There's some bad memories. But as a, as a youth worker here at Browncroft, we would go to youth worker conferences. And I remember one night at one of these conferences, uh, I heard a speaker that changed pretty much everything for me. There was a guy who stood up on the platform, and he was a Hollywood producer. He was a Christian man, a Hollywood producer, and not just like, you know, lame little, little uh, movies like big, like X-Men and Planet of the Apes and all these big movies. And he was talking about the power of storytelling. He was talking about how people respond to storytelling. He was talking about Jesus and how he used storytelling to talk about the kingdom. And he was talking about the church and he said, listen, we have access to the greatest story ever told. We have access to the greatest collection of stories ever told in scripture. We have front row seats to God working in people's lives, and yet we're really bad storytellers. And this culture, especially that generation, they, they connect with stories, and they see how God's working through stories. And when he was talking, everything clicked for me. It made a lot of sense. I'd always love movies. I love telling stories because I was the middle school guy, but I never really put it together quite like that. And so God put something in my heart that night that was like, Josh, I want you to do something with this. And I said, cool, what? And I told God, listen, I don't know what you're asking me to do, but uh, if you want me to do something in storytelling or video or I don't know what, you're gonna have to drop something in my lap. And God was like, challenge accepted. And he, uh, he quickly introduced me to a man here in Rochester who was, making a feature-length film, a faith-based feature-length film, and with the help of a church over on the west side. And I heard about this, and I said, okay, I guess I should call this guy who I've never met before. And I called him up, and I said, hey, guy. That's not his name. But I said, hey, I don't know anything about filmmaking. I don't know anything about storytelling. I am the least equipped person that could be calling you right now, but I really think that I should be a part of this. And he said, absolutely. Randomly, he said, absolutely. And from that moment on, he invited me into the process from script writing to pre-production to locating places to film to the actual filming of the movie, even into the editing suite. All of the process he invited me into, and I gotta tell you, I loved every single second of it. It clicked again. Even when it was stressful and it's raining and we got to do stuff and whatever, I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. I love it. And so I kind of figured it out. Like, all right, God wants me to do this. I'm going to slowly, you know, leave youth ministry because I think I might even be able to have a a better impact on this generation by telling really great stories. We're just going to keep making movies and it's going to be awesome. So the response, this was in 2012 when it wrapped up, the response was this. Exactly. (laughs) Crickets. I heard nothing back from the people that I'd worked with. Nothing. 
I called them, I texted them, and they'd respond a little bit. They'd talk to me, but I never got invited back into that process the same way I was. And I really wanted it. And I kept saying, hey, are you sure you don't need me? Yeah, we're, we're good. They didn't need me anymore. And it was heartbreaking. And I was like, God, what is that? What was that about? You, you opened this incredible door for me. And yet, when I really decide, I think this is what I want to do, it's done. That doesn't make any sense to me. And even though there was disappointment, I actually was able to think through this still and say, at least God put me there. At least God did clearly open that door at the beginning. And I don't know what he wants to do with that, but maybe that dream is done. Maybe that call, that little thing in my heart is done. Or maybe that's just something that needs to go on the shelf for a little bit longer. So I never lost that hope, but I didn't really focus on it quite as much. So going back to Joseph, God was with Joseph, and Joseph could see that. But things are about to take a little bit of a weird turn here in this chapter as we continue with verse 6. Read along with me. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. Sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) And after a while, (laughs) his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house except uh, uh, greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and wait for it, sin against God? So Joseph's response when confronted with temptation was immediately to start talking about how God had blessed him. Was immediately to say, wait a minute, hold on. Look what's happened. I've been placed in a place of honor and God is doing great things. How in the world could I, could I ruin this and sin against God? I have a bigger calling in my life. And here's the thing, we all have that calling in our lives, right, to do something for the kingdom of God. But our calling is lived at great risk. Joseph is living in the same exact world that we live in, right? What was true in the Old Testament, it's true in the New Testament, it's true today. And this world that we live in is organized against God's calling in our lives, Right? If we're called to do something great for the kingdom of God, you can bet there's going to be opposition. Satan is real. He exists, and he does not want you to succeed. There will be stuff that happens. As you're focused on your calling, there will be things that come into your life. It could be a sin in your life that you're dealing with. It could be a temptation of sin, like what's happening to Joseph here. It could be a distraction or laziness. How many of you uh, have heard of this thing called Netflix? Holy cow. I might have something to do on a Saturday, and, I'll, and my wife will say, hey, I need you to get this done. And I'm like, got it. I'll be down in five minutes. And whole, I've, I've watched like three episodes of Parks and Rec. And I can't, I don't know what happened to the time. What a distraction it is for us, or it can be for us. Anything that keeps us from spending time and effort to run after the things that God has called us to do. And our challenge is living within this tension, that we have a call on our life, and yet there will be things coming up against us. How do we maintain our focus 
and stay the course. See, Joseph in this scripture, it seemingly doesn't, he doesn't even give it a second thought, right? Here comes this crazy lady, uh, let's go hang out, PG. Let's go hang out, and he immediately is like, wait a minute, hold on, I got better things to do. He doesn't have a five-step process to avoiding temptation that he engages in. He doesn't have his accountability partner to call. He doesn't have an app on his text that like, starts dinging, danger, danger, crazy lady, she's getting close. None of that is with him. What he has is a crystal clear vision of who God called him to be. And even though he doesn't know how or when, he is completely sold out to the idea that God will realize that calling in his life in his own timing. That this was going to happen. Usually we either find ourselves fighting with outside circumstances or internal circumstances. Going back to my little story here in late 2019, early 2020, man, I still loved Flower City, or uh, I'm sorry, youth ministry. I'm going to talk about Flower City in a second. I felt, uh, I still loved everything about it, but I was starting to feel a little discontent. Things were like, I don't know if this is where I'm supposed to be. I don't know if this is what I'm supposed to do. We even adjusted in family ministry to give me a new role. And as much as it was a good idea, I was like, I, I still don't know if that's really the thing. I was going through this period of like, just I don't know what God wants me to do. And there was stuff going on in my life. There was disappointments about some circumstances and opportunities that I, I was hopeful for that I, didn't, I wasn't able to realize. There was uh, relational things happening in my life. I'm a very relational guy. And if, if there's something going on, if I'm, I'm feuding with a friend, it, it knocks me out. Like I think about it all the time. I have a hard time sleeping. Some people, you guys are just like, whatever, and you go to bed. Not me. Like I think about it all the time. Uh, and that was happening. I had disappointments in my own lack of clarity in my calling in life. It felt like God was silent. There was even a few month period where we lost two of our former students. And things were going on and I was just, I was just messed up. I wasn't angry. I was just lost. Anybody ever felt that way? You just feel completely lost. And I thought... Maybe I need, to, I need to walk out. Maybe I need to just let this, uh, let this whole idea of being here at Browncroft go and try something new. Maybe there's something to this storytelling thing that I hadn't thought through before. Maybe God wants me to do something and leave what's comfortable. So Alicia and I, my wife, were praying through this, and we realized something needed to happen, and so we set a deadline. We said if God doesn't, Give, give us peace or give us answers. By the end of Flower City Work Camp 2020, then we're gonna make a big move and we're gonna just walk away. And that's not an easy thing to do because I'd been at Browncroft for a very long time. I loved it here. This is my family, my community. I love it here. And people don't leave their jobs when there's no real problem going on, especially when they don't have a other opportunity waiting for them. That's not normal, but... Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've felt that before. But what I was slowly realizing was I wasn't just upset at feeling like I wasn't hearing from God. I was upset that maybe I wasn't trusting him like I should have been. If we go back to the story of Joseph, we'll catch up here. We're going to skip a couple verses. But Potiphar's wife did not give up her pursuit of Joseph. And he kept giving her the old stiff arm, no thank you, ma'am. 
And it kept going and kept going and kept going until he got close enough to her that she actually reached out and grabbed his cloak or his outer garment. And he freaked out. He runs out the door, but he leaves his cloak in her hand. And so she has evidence. And she says, listen, that guy just attacked me. He's assaulted me. I need, him. I need you to go get him and take him out. She was calling to the guards. And she held on to that cloak for when Potiphar came home. And she started telling him about this, that your Hebrew has attacked me, and I have his cloak to prove it. And that's where we pick up in verse 19 right here. When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in his eyes, in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything he did. Here we go again, right, for Joseph. And Joseph now finds himself in the king's prison, but it could have been much, much worse. Because think about it. Think about the language that Potiphar's wife used. Your slave did this, right? She's invoking some really harsh phrases there to get Potiphar to react. And Potiphar had every single right to have Joseph killed, right? Legal right at the time, you can do that. And he had every single right to do it, but he doesn't do it. Maybe it's because he had seen the blessings that came with Joseph, that God was blessing his own household because of Joseph. Whatever the reason, he chose not to kill Joseph in that moment. The blessings of God are often more subtle than we think. See, Joseph could have been absolutely done, the dream over in that moment. But God instead chose to bless Joseph by allowing him to continue his life, continue that journey towards the call. We often think of blessing and like we're in our friend's, you know, giant lake house that has 16 stories. And you're sitting there and you're looking around like, I, I have two stories. That's cool. And you're like, wow, this is a great spot. And they're like, yeah, blessed. Hashtag blessed. Or you hear somebody win like an Oscar and they're like, I just want to thank God, I'm so blessed. Or somebody wins a gold medal, right? That, the Olympics are still happening and maybe they're over now. But they say, thank you, I, I'm so, God has truly blessed me. Well, of course he blessed you, right? Like, yes, of course, it's obvious in those moments that God has blessed those people. But that's not how it usually looks for most of us. Remember that Joseph was still very much in prison. He didn't flee. He didn't make it back. He's in a king's prison, which is most likely a fortress where he'd be doing hard labor. But this is actually a blessing for him because he still has life to pursue the calling that God has given him. And more than that, and he doesn't know it yet and we don't know it yet, but it's in this prison where Joseph meets the people who will be responsible for getting him all the way to Pharaoh, which is exactly where he needs to be in a few chapters. God was still doing great things. God was still blessing. 
So we had set this deadline of Flower City Work Camp to make a decision. And if I'm being honest, this is kind of weird to say, but I had already written a letter of resignation because I didn't know what God was going to do. We didn't know what was next, but we knew that we needed to hear from God. And my hope was that either God would restore peace to my calling here at Browncroft or that he would somehow restore this calling to this storytelling thing because I never let that go. And I thought, that's something that I still want to do. And, and maybe I'd be able to find something out in the world. I, I'd leave here and walk out the door and all these places would flock to me. Because, you know, you get hired with no experience very often. <laughs> I didn't know what to do, but I knew that God was working. Well, you may remember last year, which felt like five years ago now, that Flower City Work Camp, which happens during spring break, got canceled because of the pandemic. And oddly enough, just as our church was shutting down our in-person gatherings and going to very heavy video-based streaming content, making sure we could do anything we could to get the word out to everybody, our lead video person here at Browncroft informed us that she was leaving because she got an incredible opportunity somewhere else. See what God's doing here? Show off. So it was in that moment where actually our entire staff was, we were scrambling. We, everybody was kind of doing stuff that they didn't normally do. And we were all called because God was doing something bigger, something greater, not just in my life, but in the whole life of Browncroft, I think. And so Mike Pitts, our executive pastor, calls me and he says, Josh, uh, I know that you have his interest in storytelling. You've made videos. Most of them uh, he didn't approve of for youth group, but still I was making them. <laughs> and he said, hey, listen, would you be willing for a time to step in and make and edit and some, produce some video content because we're really going to need it? And I said, sure. And I got to be honest with you, the moment I started doing that with our little ragtag crew of people who we didn't really know what we were doing, it felt Right. It felt exactly like what God wanted me to do. A few months later, after doing that, after learning a whole lot uh, in November, I officially changed my job title to visual story director, which we still get to make up our own, our own titles, apparently. <laughs> but that was almost 12 years to the day 12 years to the day of the moment God gave me this, this seed, this calling in my life for storytelling. And even though I had no idea what that meant 12 years ago, here I was becoming a visual story director at Browncroft. Our prayer was that God would provide direction. And when we were finally willing to trust him, he provided an opportunity to move into the exact kind of thing that I was thinking I should do in a place that I loved and was a little bit more gracious with someone who didn't have a lot of experience, God showed up in huge ways in my own life. For Joseph, it was his obedience that got him into prison, which is right where God needed him to be. Joseph found a love, he found a calling that mattered to him, so much so that he focused on it that when he went through a test, it wasn't even a test at all. For us, for all of us in this room, something greater needs to capture our imagination. What is God calling you to do? And how can you begin focusing on that 
instead of the stuff that keeps coming into your life. The quality and the depth of our relationship with God is what keeps us moving forward. And to advance in that, we need to be willing to go through the tough stuff. That's the nature of faith. God isn't up in the clouds throwing little uh, things down at us, little lightning bolts, trying to trip us up just for fun. He's trying to prepare us for the calling that he's given us in our lives. And our job is to decide, are we ready to take the risk that it's gonna, it's gonna be? So as we kind of close this out, I have a couple questions, things I want you guys to think about this morning. In scripture, God makes it very clear that he is with us all the time. Whether we like it or not, whether we believe in him or not, he is with us. Do you believe that? Do you live that? As you're thinking through and processing all the things that are happening in your life right now, do you believe that the God of the universe is with you? And the second question is sort of like it. Are you with him? Are you pursuing a relationship with Jesus? Not, not, the, not the inch deep, Josh, of course I come to church. I'm here right now. I'm logged in in my jammies. I'm here. Or maybe I'm, I'm, uh, I, when I get pressured enough, I'll serve. Of course. Like I'm big into my relationship with God. I go online. I comment on things. I, I like things. I'll even repost to my story. That means I am all in. Kind of, but not really. That means you are going through some really good motions and we really do like that. But... That's not what's going to change your heart. How is your heart? Are you trusting God when things don't feel fair? Are you forgiving people when they hurt you? Are you being changed every single day by the life-changing, beautiful, and completely countercultural gospel of Jesus Christ? That is being with him, pursuing him. Because the call that God has given us is not a straight line. Right? It's not a straight line. It's not as easy as, this is what I want you to do, now go do it. Joseph gets a dream to be great. He's going to be awesome. He shares it with his friends, shares it with his brothers, because of course they're going to love that. Uh-oh. Now he's, in, uh, he's a slave. He's in a pit, sold into slavery. But God's with him, so he blesses him. And things are going well. He gets promotions at work, and things are going well. Uh-oh. Here comes this person who's trying to trip him up. And falsely accuses him so that he's sent to jail. But he gets to jail and God is with him. Up and down, up and down. That's the call of God in our lives. Are we faithful to that? Jesus says that I've come to give you a life and give it to the full. Right? That doesn't mean a full life is all the way up here. That means like the ups and downs become ups and downs and ups and downs. That's a full life. That's what we are pursuing. Right now, you're either in the exact place where God wants to fully realize his call and his dreams and his ambitions in your life, or you're in a place where he is preparing you for that. Don't give up. Don't give up. He's brought me this far, and I got to be honest, I don't know if he's done. Maybe he's got something else. I don't know. Maybe he's got a brand new calling. I'm not sure. 
But God has called me to be obedient. He calls us to take a little step every day, be obedient to what he's asking us to do in whatever situation we find ourselves in today. Don't lose this. God is with us. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you so much. Just thank you for your presence in our lives. And for those of us in this room and, and watching that need that reminder, they, need, they feel like you're not there at all. God, would you show them yourself? Would you reveal yourself? Would you help them see that you are with them? And God, for those of us who, who know that you're with us, but we're just lost, we're confused, we're, we feel like we're missing something, God, would you give us clarity? Because this isn't about us, this isn't about our success, this isn't about us getting a better paycheck, God, this is about us doing something great for your kingdom. And God, we need you in that. So show us your way this morning. God, help us to lean into you when we feel like there's nothing left to do. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.